episode 21 of the Melanated Beast podcast. Last month, we launched this mini-series titled The Curious Case Of that will allow our listeners to dive deep into the lives of four black female icons and how each of them navigated their way to fame and recognition within the industry. In the previous episode, we explored the case of former Disney child star, Zia. Now we're on to the next case. In this episode, we will be going more in depth into the case of the life and short-lived but very promising and impactful career of the late princess of R&B and queen of urban pop herself, Aaliyah Dana Houghton. Please stay tuned for a brief message from our sponsor. Vegas. So that's pretty huge. 
um, Aurora, you know, we actually graduated from the Detroit Performing Arts High School in 1997 with a 4.0 GPA. So, Aurora was not only talented and gifted, she was also a scholar. So, we love to see that. We love to see scholars. Aurora didn't get her first record until she signed to Jive Records at the age of 12. So that is the early years of Alia. We're about to segue into our next segment, which is FY. Stick around. producers that would want to work with her. 
So, yep. Now we're gonna go into the sophomore album, which was just released on streaming services on Friday midnight. So that was the album that kind of changed the scope of R&B forever. And I just saw a review on YouTube and her album. It, it, it set the standard for R&B. It was released in 1996. By the time I was 17, you know, about to graduate high school, um, she was looking for new sound and new direction creatively. Um, as a result, you know, this led her to collaborating with, you know, emerging songwriters, producers, and entertainers in her own way, Timberland and Missy Elliott. They were all known the super friends, so it's pretty cool. Let me tell you about Trio. They did that. And I was looking at some tweets on Twitter, and I was just, you know, marveling at how these three defined a sound and how they were able to take a chance on them, and nobody else really would. Um, the singles that were produced on this album um, were If You're Going Alone, which was the first single that was released to the public as a video, One Me Name, Four Page Letter, and The One I Gave My Heart To. Um, respectively, they were top 10 on the hits, and it was an R&B chart topper. So, I just start listening to her second album yesterday, and I will say, like, it's timeless. The production's on there make it seem like it could still be relevant today. That's how timeless her sound was, and that was the turning point in her career. Um, and it made this album that it went double platinum. There were so many potential singles like Never Giving Up and, you know, Choose a Lover, you know, those could have been singles and, you know, she could have won a Grammy because this album was mad and opus. Like, this album really, you know, set her in stone and slip at her as a true entertainer in the industry. So I don't know why she, I mean, she was nominated, but she don't want she should have swept the Grammys back in those times. So now we're gonna move along to her third and final album, Alia. Her self-titled third album was released in July of 2001. The hits that resulted from that album were We Need a Resolution, Love the Woman, and Rock the Boat. The album hit number two in the US charts and it sold over 2.4 million copies worldwide and received a lot of positive reviews and reception. This album was definitely more mature, more you know, adult sounding, and it really showcased Aliyah's growth as an artist and entertainer. By the time she had spent seven years, almost a decade in the game, so she knew the ins and outs of the game, and she was uh, about to embark on more. This album, alongside with me, definitely set the stage for the music that would, you know, come out in the early 2000s and even up until now. So, Aaliyah really set the tone with this album and, you know, it kind of gave us a sneak peek about the sound that she was really about to go in. Um, so, that was, you know, her final album that she released. Um, now, we're going to talk about her transition to the TV and film world. So, um, Let's start with Dr. Doolittle. This is a movie that started in Murphy 
It was released in 98, the year that I was born, and it included the big hit, Are You That Somebody? Um, this movie's where Elliot made a cameo, and I think she was nominated for a Grammy for this one, too. Um, it was a pretty big hit, and I think it was probably one of the most popular videos of 98 at the time, like, according to Liz Bogfi on her um, website, you know, it introduced different, you know, dance styles called the Flemingo dance stylings, um, the music video concept was pretty dark, mysterious, kind of like a Liz vibe, you know, and then it showcased to men's, you know, syncopated rhythms and beats and the little baby sample in the background, pretty cool, and I used to like that song, I've searched that song for a little while, even though it's like way over to me. <laughs> but it was a pretty cool song, dope song. Um, and then next, I guess, Pride was Anastasia. Released around the same time as the Letter, it featured the Oscar nominated single, Dream to the Past, in which um, I would perform at the Academy Awards this single um, at the age of 19. At the time, she was the youngest performer. I think she might be the second youngest performer to perform at the Academy Awards behind Michael Jackson. But, wow, an Oscar-nominated single? She should have won an Oscar for that. She would have been on an EGOT status. But, you know, the industry is kind of fickle like that. So, yeah. That was Anastasia. Um, the next one project that she made her acting debut was Running Must Die, which was released in 2000. It was produced by Joel Silver, and this was where Aliyah started to kind of really showcase her acting chops, even though, you know, she was like a first time, it was her first time performing on the big screen. I saw some clips of, you know, the Running Must Die. I've yet to watch the entire film, but Aliyah was a very serious actor. and kind of gave us a, 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 a peek into, you know, what are the ventures that Leah would have been working because I know some of her interviews she started discussing about how she went to kind of transition into the acting world. So, to go back to Roman style, this was basically based on Shakespearean poem Roman and Juliet in which Trish plays, not Trish, in which Aaliyah plays Trisha Day, who is kind of like based on the character of Juliet, and her co-star Jet Li was Romeo. He was a martial artist, and it also starred the late rapper and poet DMX, I guess who played one of Trisha's relatives. So, in this film, it had a soundtrack that included the Smash Radio Hit Try Again, which went number one based on radio airplay, and then in another collab with DMX, her co-star with Back in One Piece. What's really interesting is that Aaliyah also served as executive producer for the soundtrack. So, she was making moves. She was making moves. As a result, um, this became a box office hit, and the soundtrack itself was a billboard chart topper. So, Aaliyah was really about to make some business moves all the 21. So, we're talking about a seven year veteran making business moves and starting to get on this office about these different um, projects she was working on. The last film we had started was Queen of the Band, which was released um, in 2002. And it was directed by Michael Weimer. And what was crazy was that while she was recording her final album, she was also doing scenes for Queen of the Band. This is, I think, in Australia. So she was recording down there, and 
she's booked and busy. Let me tell you now. Booked and busy. So this film centers around the title character, um, which I played, which was Akasha, who's the queen of all vampires. Um, I guess Aaliyah was fascinated by vampires and had reached out to Anne Rice, you know, to receive blessing for the film. This film is based on Anne Rice's Vampire Chronicles. Um, as a result, this became a box office smash shortly after you know, her passing, of course. I haven't seen it, but I've seen clips, and once again, Aaliyah shines with her acting chops. So, we're about to go into how booked and busy Aaliyah was during, you know, the 2000-2001 era. Um, so like I said before, Lee was making that transition to the acting world. Um, at the prime of her career, she had received several you know, offers for upcoming 2000s film projects, including Matrix Reloaded, Honey, and Sparkle, in which she was going to take the lead role, um, respectively. Um, and then with Matrix, she was going to play the character of Z, who would be featured in, I guess, in the later sequels, but, you know, unfortunately, they weren't able to get around to it, you know, because of her unfortunate passing, which we'll discuss, um, shortly before the end of this night. So, Lily really was out here about to make a move, and she was about to take the industry by storm. That's how you know how much of a big deal she was, and on top of that, she had to do the release part and the signings for her, you know, third final album. So now we're about to go into some of the accolades that Aaliyah had received during her lifetime and some of the nominations that she had. Because Aaliyah was nominated. She was just nominated for practically almost everything. I guess from like Billboard to Grammy. We're about to go into some of the awards that she had received during her lifetime. I wish she had swept most of them, but you know how the industry works. So, I'm going to go into the words that she won. Um, so, um, she won, she was nominated for the Making Music Awards, you know, early in her career, and then she had won some, you know, pro um, after her passing. And same thing for the BT Awards, she had won Best Actress for Queen of the Damned. Um, she had won several music, Billboard Music Awards, um, 1996 for the Money, as a top R&B single, and then for Are You That's Alive, that's you know how big, um, that song was during that time. In 2000, she was the top hip-hop R&B artist of the year. Wow, this is crazy. She was just nominated, and then she won some more awards, um, for other singles, like the Grammys, but then she could have won. Like, why not? And then she was also one of other um, awards and accolades, such as the Northern Awards in the early 2000s. And obviously, in um, 2000, she was awarded um, the one for the best female video for Dragon and, and the best video from you know, the Rolling Stone film Dragon. Wow. And I don't even know this, but she was also the winner of an MTV Movie Award for Arts and Body. And tried me. So, Aaliyah was out here, you know, winning. And she was nominated for some true Lady of Soul Awards? Wow. 
Wow. So all of those accolades um, are going to be um, listed in the show notes below um, from her website. So Aaliyah, like I said, was a pretty big deal. And I wish she had swept some of those awards in those categories that I mentioned. So right now, we are going to transition into um, her unfortunate passing. And strangely enough, that's kind of how I was introduced to her. My earliest memory, really, of Aaliyah, I'll talk about it later, but we're going to go into her passing. So, on August 25th, 2001, Aaliyah and eight members of her crew had bought a twin-engine Cessna plane 402B. It was chartered by Blackhawk International Airways. They had been flew to the Bahamas a couple days before to finish shooting um, scenes for her music video um, for Rock the Boat, which was off of her third and final album. Like I said, they bought the plane they had back to the States because apparently they had other up- upcoming projects um, to do and you know, they just want to get back to the States. Um, they had been shooting for a good while. And so they had left, I guess, mid-production because the other, the crew, the rest of the video crew is going to shoot more scenes. So that's, you know, pretty what happened. The pilot of that Cessna plane was um, Lewis Morales III. Upon boarding the plane, shortly after 6.50 p.m., it crashed after it took takeoff and exploded on the runway. So after the plane stepped off, it literally crashed on impact. Unfortunately, the victims in that crash included Aaliyah and several members of her crew. At the time, it was actually reported that six members, including Aaliyah, had passed away on impact, and Olivia had passed away in hospital hours later, according to um, the Rolling Stone article on her obituary that was written in 2001. So the victims included video production director Douglas Kratz, bodyguard actor, bodyguard and actor Scott Downey, hairstylist Anthony Dodd, hairstylist Eric Foreman, product manager Jim Smith, makeup artist Christopher Maldonado, and family friend Keith Wallace. What was strange and suspicious about her passing was that the pilot was not authorized to fly the aircraft and had been previously charged with other charges including substance use and possession. That was pretty strange to me. And what's even more stranger is that they were initially scheduled to leave the Bahamas the following day on a larger aircraft which would have accommodated more space and more equipment um, for the crew members and the rest of the other areas entourage. So obviously there were many speculations and reports surrounding her passing and the plane crash. There was a rumor that the plane was obviously overloaded with equipment and possible people because remember it was, it was a small 10-seat twin engine plane and it can't fit all that equipment, but we don't know. From the plane crash, the lawsuit went out against Blackground Records. Not Blackground Records, Black Hawk International Airways, which was made by Lee's family as a result of the plane crash. So, 
and I think that's how a lot of people have come to know about Aaliyah, unfortunately, with that plane crash. So, personally, I, I don't know, you never really know what happened during that day. I thought, you know, the plane crash, um, it was unfortunate. Um, I, I think there was even a report saying that Aaliyah initially just didn't want to get on the plane. Like, she had some doubts about it, and, you know, I kind of wish she listened to her intuition. Um, just remember saying that, you know, someone on her team had, you know, convinced her, you know, the plane would be fine, and somehow coaxed her to get on the plane. Um, I'm not going to go into more details about that. Um, you have to just do your own research on that, but, you know, it's unfortunate about how that went down. But, um, rest in peace to Olivia and all the victims. We're about to segue to our final segment of the show which is daily musings. Stick around. Surgeons, you know, 
in today's fashion world, so Lee's impact on fashion will never be forgotten. And on top of that, aside from fashion, Lee's makeup is always on point, especially her eyebrows, um, the makeup that she wore, the different tones that she would use to complement you know, her skin. She has a MAC line, I'm not sure if it's still in production right now, but I remember some years ago she had a MAC line. It kind of showcased, you know, the makeup that she used from her iconic videos that she had made and the different um, productions that she would do. So, Lily was the queen of having her makeup on point and her clothes were on point. And then her hair! Um, to add to her mystique, she would always um, have a bang over one of her eyes just to add a sense of mystery. We're going to talk about it all in a minute. I feel like I'm not going but you guys get the point. So her fashion was always on point. Now, we're about to go into artistry. And as I stated before, earlier in the episode, Aaliyah really paved the way for the post-modern alternative R&B wave that everybody's on right now. I don't know if you noticed, but between her time up until this point, R&B has definitely gotten a little bit more introverted. There was a period in the 2000s, that's the period that I grew up in. And I don't know if R&B was a bit more extroverted, but even prior to that, R&B was a bit more extroverted. And R&B artists weren't allowed to be vulnerable and introspective. And when we had made her sophomore album, it kind of, like I said, paved the way for the introverted R&B movement. It, 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 it gave all the artists permission to be soft and vulnerable and so with their vocals and their production. And now that's the wave right now. Um, there's a lot of artists that are following that wave and I think that might be the wave for a long time because R&B is not as extroverted as it used to be. Because there was a time when artists, especially back like in the previous decades, they had to be introverted, extroverted that day. It was almost like they were always on tenure as like a party on stage, but I know backstage they were kind of introverted and kind of close. So Aaliyah, given that her, she had a reserved nature, she um, was the first artist to kind of showcase her introverted personality on stage and in her music and gave, you know, the artist of permission to be vulnerable and, you know, introverted themselves. So, Aaliyah, as far as vocal styling, she had a very soft, subtle way of singing. But you know, she could do when the performance or time had called for it, but Aaliyah's best remembered for her soft, subtle vocal styles and phrases. That's what makes her a very pioneering artist. You could see a lot of artists are adopting that you know, soft vocal styling, and like I said, it makes the music more vulnerable, it makes it more, I guess, like I said, introspective and very alternative and eclectic, but I know there's some artists that kind of, you know, pay more probably to do that, I think one artist I can think of right now is Denise Williams, um, she worked with, um, Louise White of Earth and Fire and other producers, and she had a soft vocal styling as well, um, I know a little she, I think she used to sing most of the falsetto. And one thing I would observe during you know, a lot of performances, she had to kind of use her head voice to kind of, you know, sing. No, I think she had to use her chest to kind of sing those low notes. And then she would use her head voice to kind of 
reached those high notes in that falsetto. So that's when we Aliyah Aliyah. And as a result, like I stated before, she's inspiration for so many you know, musical peers, well, the people that work on musical peers at the time and other spelling artists today that came up after her, including her, obviously. She just gives me Aliyah vibes. Beyonce was a kind of group at the time was you know, taking away by storm with her talent. Sierra, um, Solange, Monty's sister, Sid from the internet, um, Alex, Ashanti, Namari, who also came around the same time after Aliyah's passing. They had a similar vocal styling. Mamani, who was formerly of um, Fifth Harmony's now, doing other things. LMA, um, the artists from across the pond and other artists that I can't really think of right now that have you know, been impacted by her. I love including Drip as well, who's like a huge Aaliyah fan. So you can tell that when you listen to all the music today, you can definitely hear the influence um, of Aaliyah in the music. And I think in light of her passing, like her legacy definitely has been so bad in music, and I know it's not a very huge void in music today. Um, another thing about Aaliyah is that she invested her time, energy, and everything to every project that she did, every project, every recording, every performance that she worked on. Just some of the interviews that I saw and research that I've done, and we even do more. Aaliyah was really committed she, to her craft. Like, she wanted to be the best, and she was genuine. She really wanted to do her best because she believed that she was the best and she you know, showcased that in everything that she did especially during the last year of her life she was been too busy like I said she had product after product you know um, she probably you probably don't know how she felt but I know like even in the midst of her busy schedule she was willing to you know be professional be classy and just give it her all that's why her artistry is memorable so right now, before we get into the final next we're going to talk about Aliyah's personality and the aura that she gave off to people that she would be, you know, in contact with. Um, based on the interviews that I saw and some of the video montages that I saw of her, she was very down to earth. She, like I said, had a very angelic, ethereal demeanor. Like people would call her a literal walking angel on earth, and she had a street but sweet personality. Um, and also, her style of music and fashion was the street but sweet too. I have a feeling that she probably was very spiritually tuned and aware, especially with regards to, you know, life and, you know, things and the great beyond. Um, she seemed like an old soul, as being is, because everything that she said really was impactful. And when she spoke, she spoke deliberately and made sure that everything she said was meaningful. And like I said, she had a certain mystique about her, which made her alluring, which made her attractive, I guess, to most people. And yeah, that was just simply Aaliyah. She, she was simply herself. She was simply the exalted one, simply the best. She lived up to her name, for sure. So we're going to the final um, box right now. So I don't want to go too much into the old you know, Robert Kelly fiasco, but apparently Robert Kelly, who was associated with Leah as her mentor producer, you know, he was done some questionable things. Well, Leah was one of his victims, unfortunately. Um, apparently, he's in trial right now, and he definitely needs 
he has to be indicted because what he did, especially to Aaliyah, was inexcusable. I bet you actually saw a video on what, you know, his life, his career. And, yeah, I don't go too much deep into that, but R. Kelly has to definitely be charged for what he does, inexcusable, and he has to be held accountable for his actions. Um, there have also been new speculations around her passing. I'm not going to go deep into them. You can do a research on that. Um, the biggest the couple highlights of this episode is that earlier, like I said, had a music released on streaming platforms. Um, it's going to be in different phases. Um, like I said, Bowder that released one more summer album. Her third final album will be released on September 10th, and I think her compilations will be released um, in October. So, this is basically the world of Aaliyah. Like, she's coming back, you know, the fact that her music's being released, and the fact that it has reached five million streams for a summer album, Aaliyah's coming back, and she's going to take the world back to again. Um, we finally did it. Um, unfortunate reality is that the, her royalties are not going to go to her family or her estate. It's going to go to her uncle, who was the master, who owns the masters, the recordings of her um, albums, and he was also um, had the Blackland Records, which Aaliyah was signed to. So, still a downside, but at least her music is finally coming back into streaming because it's been 20 years and we waited so long. I actually became an Aaliyah fan, so. We're going to see what happens, and there's, I think there's going to be more like, unreleased tracks that she probably started. I started listening to some of her unreleased tracks in Dungeon. Let me say, they sounded fresh, they sounded hot, but this was on YouTube, so finally we will be, we will have access to her music, and you can listen to it any day, any time, and I will be streaming her next two, or next, yeah, couple albums. Also, um... Aaliyah has a new biography out, which is written by Kathy, uh, I can't pronounce her last name, but um, it was released by um, an author from New York, um, who's also in the industry's very name is Kenny I. Um, it basically goes into depth about her life. I know some of the other things may, I have a good sense of, you know, who Aaliyah was like and what her career was like and her life was like. Um, the link for the book will be in the show notes. It's on Amazon. It was released, I believe, on the 18th, no, the 17th. So it was earlier this week. So you could find it on Amazon. Or you could find it anywhere else you find books. Um, and I looked at the reviews for this book, and it seems like it basically does justice. Um, I, I saw an interview with the author and how she kind of wants to get a non-biased approach because she's a fan herself of Ali and she was inspired by her music and her style. So, I think this book does only have justice. And I know I'll be buying it soon. Maybe not now, but I know I'll be buying it so I can look into her life. Yeah, but all in all, Ali was definitely, you know, like her song is one in a million. She definitely left her mark on the industry, um, her passing is still sad, tragic to this day, I, you know, it was preventable to be quite honest, but, you know, God only knows what happened that day, um, would have wanted to be remembered as an entertainer, and someone gave her all the music, 
I just wish the, ind the industry would have known her more because, like I said, she set this tone, she set the stage for R&B, she set the stage for R&B. You know, the only time people would have known her more was, you know, it's on her birthday and on the anniversary of her passing, that's pretty much it, but I wish they would acknowledge her life, like, because she did a lot in 20 years. Not a lot of artists can do that. Not a lot of artists can make those big feats and achievements in 22 years. And Lula did just that. Lula is also a very, probably one of the most genuine celebrities that um, I came across. Like, she really cared about her films. She really was very personable and to get to know people based on the interviews and issues that I saw. She, and then, since she's been gone, unfortunately, the entertainment industry has definitely changed. You can feel the weight that she left because with all those projects that were lined up for her, you know, over 20 years ago, she was about to set the world on fire. I mean, if she was still here, she probably would have been huge still because you have to understand, you know, like I said, it was given up. She was in a prime of her life. You know, everything was going great for her. Um, I wish she would have, you know, was here to witness the success and the impact that our music has had. But hopefully this episode and Ms. Bradford's coming out about her and you know, other information about her life will make people appreciate her more and cherish her more because she has done a lot for the industry in, like I said, a short amount of time. And I wish people didn't downplay her career because Aaliyah, do not sleep in Aaliyah, Aaliyah really did the darn thing. Um, I guess most of the voters with a hashtag at the polls on Thursday was excited about, you know, it was Team Aaliyah. Uh, so, we gotta really let Team Aaliyah have, we gotta do everything we can as fans. Um, I just became a new fan, so I'm gonna have to navigate my way through her career, but we have to do everything we can as fans and I guess as other musical peers and to protect her legacy because, you know, her legacy remains being tarnished by other controversies surrounding her life, and we don't want to focus on that. We want to focus on her talent, her life, and how much she meant to the world. So, yeah, that was just my two cents. Um, and thanks for coming to TED Talk. That's um, the that's the end of daily musings. We're about to close out. on Spotify, Anchor, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Connect with us on our social media, at Melanated News Podcast on Instagram, at Melanated on Twitter, and Melanated News on Facebook for weekly updates. You can follow me only on the hostess on social media at writemeback underscore and at underscore movie without the A on Twitter. As a growing podcast, we're learning as we go along to enhance our brand and give you guys fresh new content every week. Please do not hesitate to send us a voicemail on Anchor, and a voice message, you guys know what I mean, 
or send us a DM on any of our social media handles if you have any further comments or questions. If you would like to be a guest or, or if you're interested or contemplate to have me as a guest on the platform, please send us an email at our email address, moonnews20 at gmail.com. Once again, we want to say rest in peace to Leah and the other victims of that plane crash. Your music will not be forgotten. Your legacy will not be forgotten. And we as the fans, including myself as my family, do everything to protect your legacy. Hope you guys enjoyed this curious case of the Princess of Beat, Aaliyah. Um, stay tuned um, for our final case on the Queen of Yourself, Beyonce, which will be premiering on September 5th after her birthday. As always, sending you guys love, peace, and light. The Melanie didn't use care.